everybody. Welcome to Working On It, a podcast that follows creatives, makers, and doers working on projects between and after hours. I'm Jack Chacon, and I'm here with my co-host, Gemma DeLog. Hey, hey. Every week, we'll be interviewing guests to discover useful tips, tricks, and inspiration on topics like time management, work-life balance, motivation, and much more. This week, we have Varun Raguputhi. Varun is a Philadelphia-based writer and sportscaster. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So happy to be on this show and be talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having me, of course. Heck yeah. Thanks for being here. Amen. So, Varun, tell us more about um, how you got into sportscasting. Absolutely. So, when I was halfway through high school... Uh, it's kind of around the time where you're looking at schools and also therefore looking at majors, what you want to study, things like that. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I enjoyed doing television work. So at our high school, we were very lucky because of the funding that the school had a television studio. And so I took not only TV class, but that morphed into doing the morning announcements during homeroom. All the kids would sit at homeroom, not pay attention to the TV, and I'd be sitting there doing like sports or news or something, and I really enjoyed it. And then on top of that, we broadcasted our local so- or high school soccer games, uh, basketball, football, all the fall and winter sports on the local television station so my parents could watch. And the more I did that my senior year of high school, the more I fell in love with it. And I thought, okay, this could definitely be something that I want to do. You combine morning announcements with calling games and you have like the perfect combination for starting out. And then I knew it was going to happen when during winter break of my senior year of high school, I was on my iPad and I, for whatever reason, was on YouTube and I looked up ESPN bloopers and I saw a bunch of just, you know, gag reels from 90s Sports Center episodes where all these famous broadcasters are messing up on TV and like laughing and having a great time. And I thought, if you can have that much fun and make clearly a good amount of money doing that, then that's something I want to do. So right then I knew I wanted to pursue broadcasting and probably sports broadcasting as well. And that led me on my path to Syracuse University, where I graduated from in 2016. Nice. Awesome. Um, So what would you say is your end goal with sportscasting? Like what's your like the thing you're shooting for? Yeah, I think the thing that I'm looking to do is be a network sportscaster. So that can come in many forms. That can be somebody who calls the NBA game every Wednesday on ESPN. That could be somebody who calls NFL games on CBS or some big network every Sunday. I want to get to that level and I want to do either that or be the voice of a team, television or radio. So to be the voice of the Sixers, which is my favorite basketball team, being a Philly person would be a dream. So someone... Somewhat at that level, I would say. Network or professional team in the NBA, NHL, uh, NFL, or MLB. Gotcha. That's awesome. Because um, I have a couple, couple of questions. I mean, I find it so interesting that you're a sportscaster. There's so much I don't know about sportscasting. Um, so I guess my next question is, how would you get to that level of being a new sportscaster or the voice of a team? Uh, It's definitely like with pretty much any other profession, a lot of networking. Uh, One of my favorite quotes comes from someone who went to Syracuse and is a person that is a mentor for me. His name is Anish Shroff. He's a a broadcaster at ESPN. He has a great quote. I don't know if it's his originally, but it's, it's not about who you know. It's about who knows you. Which of these hirers can pick a name out of a hat and have it be your name. These people that work at ESPN, that hire talent, that scout talent, these people that work at CBS and NBC and ABC, and I was obviously with uh, ESPN under Disney, like these people are the ones you want to get your work in front of. And it's key to know these people, to be friendly with these people, and to make sure that you have stuff ready right away to send them. If they email you at, you know, 12 o'clock midnight, then by 12.05, you better have a response for them. So like with anything else, it's a lot of networking and consistent networking because you never know when you're going to get your shot. So you just have to make sure that you're on the pulse when it comes to the trends in the industry. And how would you stay on top of that with the networking and staying on the pulse? Yeah, I think it starts uh, – what's great about Syracuse is the network of uh, behind-the-scenes 
and in front of the camera people. So you have executives, you have broadcasters, you have people on all sides. And because you went to Syracuse and because you did radio stuff, because you were in the communication school, they are going to talk to you. And so you kind of build your network from your classmates first and then the recent graduates. And then you go through the alumni office, in my case with Syracuse, and you kind of look and who are the people you can reach out to? Whose emails can you get? Maybe phone numbers, but mostly just emails, email with introductions and like questions. And the way that you, I would say, make this work is you can't email right away and be like, hey, I want a job. That's obviously just wrong. You have to start by like, you know, piquing their interest. You have to ask them, how did you get to where you are? What are some things that you see in terms of where the industry is going? Get them involved and make make them know that you are interested in the overall aspect of this job as opposed to just trying to call the Eagles game on Sunday (laughs) for CBS because it's not going to happen like that. So I would say get the contacts and then intermittently every month, maybe every couple of weeks, but not too much, reach out to them and make sure that you're uh, picking their brains. Gotcha. Yeah. So here's a weird question because uh, networking I feel like is super important, but it's one of those things that, uh, you know, people say that they want to do and they have plans to do it, but they don't actually get around to it. Um, you know, a first email, I could see that being relatively easy, kind of introducing yourself saying, Hey, what's up? But I feel like by the third email, I'd be like, how is the weather in Florida? You know what I mean? Like I would have no idea what to yeah. say. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. see that that's the thing that you got to bet, right? Like you can't just keep asking, like keep going like month after month. Like, Hey, what do you think of this? Like, you know, I think another thing that you can do is you consistently have new stuff. So let's say I call, I do a sideline. Uh, I'm the sideline reporter for a football game or I call a basketball game. I send a reel to them. And I have them constantly critique my work. So at the beginning, it's about asking about them. And then as the relationship goes along, definitely get feedback from them on your work and, you know, figure out ways to get better based on what they say. And that's a tough thing, too, is like you never want to straight up ask for a job. You never do. But at a certain point, you should be like, you know, I'm continuing to show interest in different positions. And I think that if you are good enough and if they see your talent, they're going to eventually come to you and be like, we have an opportunity for you. So I'm in the middle of that right now, just kind of figuring out how I can continue to stay in touch with these people, show them work, also make sure that I'm taking an interest in them. And then, you know, there's also luck and faith involved. Like with anything, people get their big breaks uh, because of luck, partly because they work hard. And it's just a combination of the two things, you know, so it's a case of being patient and making sure that you uh, don't stop whatever Definitely. you do. Yeah. This oddly reminds me of like reverse pimping in a weird way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, I feel like you're trying, well, I feel like you're trying to spit game to these people. Like, I feel like you're trying, you're like, oh, what do you like? Oh, yeah, I like that. Hey, you see what I'm working with over here? You see all this? You know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But it's, it's almost so I'm like, basically a hoe on a casting couch being like, this is what I got for you. Well, but you are the most yeah. ambitious hoe. The most ambi- of course, of course. The most ambitious hoe. <laughs> no. no, but I, I, I think that's really admirable though, man. That's that's cool that you uh you know that you're you're really killing it with that and you have a, a serious plan. You're the first person I've ever met that has had such a um well thought out plan. Well, thank for how you approach so. that. Sometimes I feel yeah, like definitely. uh there are missing links within that plan, and like it's funny because you know, we all have our, our doubts in terms of, am I going to make it? What am I going to do? What happens if it doesn't work out? And then you think like, oh, no, we I need to do something totally different or do a lot better. And then you kind of look around and like in terms of peers and other people and like, you know, people who are up and coming as well. And, you know, you kind of realize that just by doing these small things, it's not too difficult to send an email to send one email a month. It's not difficult to like get you know, something, update your portfolio. It it can be a chore, of course. You want to work and you want to, you know, focus on that stuff. But to execute that plan, it doesn't take as much work as it would think. It's just about like getting into a routine of doing it and making yourself think, oh, I didn't do this. That's a bad thing, you know? So I appreciate you saying Mm -hmm. that. And I think that even though I have my trying to network with me, Varun. I don't know. You're trying to network with me. Oh, sorry. I just can't turn it off. Can't help it. Yeah, man. Trying to reverse pimp me. 
Oh, I see you, Varun. I see what you're doing. Wow. So, so this is kind of interesting. So, you know, you seem like you're very focused on uh, becoming a sportscaster. Um, you have, you know, habits that you have in place. And that's how I usually determine how serious someone is about something is how much of their infrastructure of their life is dedicated to sports casting and or whatever it is they're pursuing and mm-hmm. how much uh how many different habits they have in place to help propel them to where they want to be so with the quarantine going on right now <laughs> with the pandemic mm-hmm. with all this crazy stuff that's going on i feel like most sporting events are you know canceled pretty much yep um what are you doing to sort of stay on top of your, you know, what you do and, and kind of sharpen the ax a little bit? That is a great question. And like, you know, when you start, so when, when I started uh, at Syracuse, like when you're a freshman and a sophomore, you're not going to get to go on the radio and call the basketball and the football and the lacrosse games, the big sporting events. So what you have to do is you have to go to some of these events. You got to go to a high school football game or a lacrosse game or something like that. And you sit there in the stands and you just call the game into your phone or some recorder. And that's the issue now, right? There's literally no games at all at any level. So you can't do that in terms of reps. So I think for me, what I tend to do is I go back and I watch old sporting events. I don't call them or anything like that, but I just make sure that I'm caught up on my history and also what's going on currently in the sporting landscape. And then otherwise, you know, you don't really have to do game calling or anything like that. Just have conversations and talk as much as possible. And that helps you keep your voice sharp and helps you develop different ways of talking. Go back and listen to my old stuff as well. Critique it. I sound like such a nasally little twerp as a 21-year-old. And I feel like I sound a little bit better now as a 26-year-old. But there's always things to go back on and improve. And I think that's what I've been doing recently is just going through the stuff that I already have accumulated, which I think a lot of people are doing in different industries, and making sure that I'm improving upon that. Nice. Awesome. I actually really, and I think Jack, you were curious about this too. Um, how can you get better at public speaking? I mean, now that Jack yeah. and I are heading into this this podcast, yeah. I've done live chat. I also do have to do these assessments for photographers, and it's like a live screencast of me going through their website and talking. And I have to listen to my voice and I get to that point and you're like, I do sound like a nasally twerp. What is this? How can you get better at these things? Yeah. I think uh, it just, it starts and ends with reps. You know, that's the, that's the golden, the golden goose right there is just how many times can you get in front of a microphone? Like if you were to sit down, it's like with actually like, like people tell you, you got to be outside for 60 minutes a day, right? If you sit down in front of a microphone and you just talk and you just talk in front of that microphone for 20 to 30 minutes and then you don't even have to go back and listen to it. But just by talking, you're flexing your vocal cords and you're just giving yourself practice. It's like you would if you were to go to the gym or if you were to do something in terms of any other career, you know, taking pictures, whatever have you just get practice at it and you're not going to see an improvement the next day. But six months later. You know, you're going to notice that your voice is deeper, you talk slower, and you're better at articulating your points. Heck yeah. Yeah, that works. Uh, so kind of related to what Jim was talking about, and I mean, the answer to this might be reps as well, but <sighs> Jim, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like I say um and like so goddamn much, it kills me. Yeah. Every other word. I feel like I, I feel like I say like all the time. It's funny. We were uh, when I was in high school. I remember one of our classmates in particular had a had a like crutch, if yeah. you will. And so every time that person would answer, my friend and I would sit there and we would just like count one, two, three, and they'd have like six or seven likes in a forty five second yeah, I answer. Like I, have, I feel like I have no legs because I have a like <laughs> and a crutch. So I feel like I'm just like a peg leg man, just like. <laughs> like a normal human being or something but is is there a trick to that like is there like a thing that you can do to do i like have to snap a rubber band on my wrist or something condition yourself (laughs) so so you guys you want to hear a crazy statistic absolutely um so the i don't know if this is 100 true but this is a ballpark estimate 
which is not a great way to introduce a statistic. But anyway, the average human being speaks at a rate of about 200 words per minute, thereabouts. Walter Cronkite, who's one of the most famous broadcasters ever, was you know the most trusted man in America for a long, long time and just an incredibly iconic news broadcaster. He spoke at an average of about 100 to 120 words per minute. Wow. So he basically took the average human speech rate and cut it in half. And I think that the more you trust yourself with the pauses – and the more that you think, okay, I'm going to take that half second beat. And instead of saying, um, like, you know, you just kind of pause and go, and then you say your next word, you'll cut out all of that, you know, dead weight that basically infiltrates all of our speech. Yeah. And even now I'm kind of doing it, just kind of stopping a little bit and then starting up again. And that way I make sure that not only is the speech itself smooth, but the ending is as huh. well. That's that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess when you take that pause, how I feel when I pause is that, oh my gosh, this is so awkward. I'm just pausing. It feels like minutes. This person is waiting for me to say something and I have to say something and... It's such an unnerving feeling, yeah. you know? It's so unnerving, but I think what hammered the point home to me was when we would call games in college and even, you know, when I call games now, when I, sometimes I think, okay, that wasn't a very good call. I didn't have a great day. Didn't have a great game. It happens. We all have our off days. And, but I went back and I listened to the recording and pretty much every time it was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Those pauses that you thought were forever, you come back and you're like, that really wasn't too bad at all. You know, and you don't even have to edit anything. If yes, you don't want to. yes. Okay, I'm just gonna. I'm so excited that you said that because I. This is our third episode now, and I think both mm-hmm. last the uh, past couple episodes, I would say Jack say to Jack, I don't know how I felt about that. I don't know why. That, that's the point that I was like, Hey, can you just send me raw <laughs> recordings? Because I don't know how I sound like, and I just am going over it in my head and then I'm thinking okay someone else is going to be to listen to me talk in like a week and I don't even know how I sound and you know you're down here and at the end of the day I was like oh that's whatever (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. like you might not be like oh wow this is this is you know put this shit in some hall of fame somewhere but you're gonna be like man that that was pretty damn good and that that encouragement right there allows uh, myself and allows I'm sure you guys to just be like, yeah, just keep doing it. And from there, not only do you go and get the reps, but you want to because you're like, I'm pretty good at this. And confidence is the great equalizer, you know, in terms of an intangible aspect of how we approach oh my God. the world. I believe in that so hard. Uh, like this is like the biggest jackism ever is that I basically believe that if you're going to approach something – you might as well just be super confident about it, even if you don't think sure. you can do it. Because if you're gonna do it, you might as well get that extra one or two percent boost that you can get out of it. You know. Let, let me give you a great example <laughs> of that that relates to my field. So, basically, I'm gonna preface by saying this thing: lying in some cases is perfectly okay. <gasps> you Here's dis- what I mean by that. Devil. I know. I know. So, so, so controversial. That's right. God's, so. one of God's Ten Commandments. How, how dare you? <laughs> the rune, that's God. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But hear me out, but hear me out. So, so if somebody, if a producer reaches out to me and says, hey, Varun, I saw your reel. I really liked it. I want you to come work for us. Here's the thing. Have you ever called horse racing before? What I'm going to say while thinking, no, obviously not, never, is, yeah, of course I have. I've done that all the time. I've been around the races. I know how to bet. I know all that stuff. So you tell them, okay, I know how to call horse racing. And they know they're, you know, they're no worse for wear with regards to that. Then once you hit send, you study your ass off and you make that lie Mm -hmm. a reality. And you just start realizing that you can learn anything about anything because we have access to all this information. So, if you confidently say, yeah, I can call water polo, I can call horse racing, I can call darts, I can call grocery shopping if I want to, 
but you have to guys, be able to grocery believe it games. There might be a role for you. Guys Grocery Games. Have you never heard of Guys Grocery Games? Like yeah, Gavier? he has a show where he like sends people out to go shopping for ingredients and they cook stuff. That sounds... Uh, yeah, that's not for like you, that. That sounds that you, you, you should do real sports, but like that's a thing. People do that. I thought you were talking about no, that but, sportscaster mean, who was like... Who, because sports aren't happening now, that he's recording yeah. things. Have you seen it? And he... <laughs> Oh, yeah. it, and it's like regular people doing things like crossing the street and he's like oh there he goes and she's made it oh and he has like an english accent so it's super funny oh it's great you haven't lived until you heard a spanish soccer announcer call cooking what? and just pissing off his wife to no end oh my god but that's how people that's how people like joe buck for example he's like he tweets out he's uh, he works for fox he's a famous broadcaster to baseball and football and he goes hey send me your mundane daily activities like laundry or cooking or whatever have you and i will call that and i will send that narration to you so that i stay on top of it and you have this souvenir and that is how people are staying you know mentally and technically sharp during these times is you take an action and you describe it and that's really all that play by play broadcast that's absolutely that's amazing that's amazing i just i love everything about that that's the coolest thing i've ever heard in my life and i hope that all of you guys do that (laughs) i think jack i think you have a new show and that's exactly what i was thinking oh my god i was i didn't know how to be cool about it i was gonna try to reverse pimp uh varun later (laughs) how much how much reverse pimping is going on i think we've i reverse pimped you you reverse this is a pimp and pretzel we're all over the place (laughs) we we have yeah, looped looped it at least twice for sure oh, i don't know who's pimping who anymore we're all pimping each other yeah you pimp my I back i'll pimp your back you know hey, that works for me. i'll pimp both your backs and joe was just pimping everybody <laughs> she's like i got i got two back hands i can handle two bitches what's up <laughs> Yeah, that's what's, uh, that's what's gonna be like. Yeah, there you go. I think we just is. have a yeah. new show now. It's gonna be very sportscasting, <laughs> and it's gonna be all of us reverse hey, together. <laughs> we're gonna talk about this afterwards, Varun. But I literally okay. think that'd be the best show ever. I've called a lot of sports. I don't think reverse pimping is anything I've called yet. So you let me know when you need some descriptions for that reverse pimping. Among oh, yeah. other things too, but oh man, imagine how funny it would be to like call a networking event like a sports game because so many people are so vulnerable and they're saying so many random ridiculous things about their resume. Talking about resumes, right. like you could just be like, you could be like, <laughs> you could be, you could be like, well. Phil over there looks like he's just filling air with his words. He doesn't really have anything solid like, to say. No, you're right, Randy. I can't imagine <laughs> that he would bring an original point to the table. He certainly hasn't, Phil. He certainly That's hasn't. amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> that. It's like John appears to just be panicking. He seems to be unprepared for today's event. And let's watch the office brown nose. You can set your watch to. Yep, yep, there he is with the unnecessary compliment about his pants. Yep, I don't know why he's looking there. He should be looking at the board. This is a show. We're talking about this right afterwards. Yeah, no, that's. I 100% vouch for this. This is a show. Absolutely. And, and it's fun because you realize, like, if you, like, you know, if, like, Jack, if Kelsey's, like, making something or just doing her work, you, like, anything that that person is doing, you can describe it. You have all the words. You just, you just, describe it in your head you know and so you can have a lot of fun with it i have been trying to take videos of my cats fighting um for something (laughs) else that i was going to do send that to david attenborough imagine if we like cut together like all the footage i had of my cats fighting and then you treated it like a ufc match Oh my god! That'd be <laughs> or like a boxing match or something. <laughs> Kitty is hitting That'd below be the belt. I... Iggy does not seem to be recovering well. <laughs> you know? I love that. I love that so have much. You covered a UFC match before? I have not. I haven't done any uh, MMA stuff. Any combat any, sports? The, the closest I've come is wrestling. The it's closest I've come sport. is wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would. <laughs> yeah. With Jack's cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, definitely. 
The weirder the sport, the more specific the terminology. Of course. So wrestling and field hockey are the two nichest sports that I've called. But catfighting, that would probably top the list once yeah. we do it. Oh, yeah. I need to see this. But actually, now I have a question because you've done uh, football, baseball, if I'm correct, lacrosse. Yep. Uh, what other sports have you called? Uh, basketball, soccer, uh, and then – wrestling as well those are the main ones softball baseball softball uh yeah i'm just trying to go season by season but yeah that pretty much covers everything i think the the most niche sport that i've done is probably wrestling um and yeah it's a lot of fun to learn about those and also Gemma, by the way it's just it's, if we're still on the subject of cats you have two cats how are they do they fight and is that worth narrating <laughs> They do fight. It's pretty funny. Um, I don't really catch it. I've caught, caught a couple on video, and they're usually fighting for a sunspot. Mm-hmm. So, and also, Violet does this really weird thing where she's licking Theo's fur, and then she goes in for a bite at the neck, and we're all like, "What the <laughs> fuck, Violet?" <laughs> and I, we don't. I don't know if it's a dominance thing or like I don't know. Is that foreplay? It's reverse pimping. Networking. That's the theme of the day. Okay. Yeah. Reverse pimping. Exactly. Do it. Do it. Do it. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. And so it's a weird. Yeah, I guess it could be foreplay. Maybe she's feeling a little feisty. Maybe she's just in the heat. You know, she's. But she does it. Um, so maybe if I can catch a couple of videos, but I did have a question because you have covered all these sports and mm-hmm. I was like, how can Varun cover all these sports? Has he played all like, So have you played all of them? But is it just that you study them intensely and hear all the terminology and just, just get more familiar with it? Okay. Yeah, I think just it started from being a huge fan. I played pretty much everything growing up. I was really lucky to grow up in an area where there was a ton of like kids my age, and we played everything. Um, so from age like eight until 17, 18, you have the same group of people playing basketball and flag football and some hockey and then baseball as well. And, you know, it's just like to be able to experience – all of that, you know, all it does is make me so interested in all of the sports and I also like history a lot. So I'm going to learn about the history of each sport. So I think it's a combination of playing them growing up, but especially just enjoying all aspects of sports. The ones I didn't play, I still love to cover and do. And so, yeah, I would say a mix of just uh, liking to play them, but definitely loving to cover them. What's your favorite sport uh, to call for? I would definitely say basketball. I think um, that's part of why I chose Syracuse. That's the main sport there. You know, that's those are the games that get like 30, 30 plus thousand people at the games. Those are the ones that are on ESPN all the time. You get to travel uh, to really cool parts of the country. Um, and then obviously growing up a huge Sixers fan and Allen Iverson fan. That's my favorite athlete. Woo-woo. So I think it was just a combination growing up in a city that loves basketball and going to school loves basketball and then coming back to that city. Um, but yeah, basketball, definitely. Yeah, so I feel like we've talked a little bit about, you know, how to be a good speaker. We've talked about your passion for sportscasts. We've talked about networking. Uh, but I know that you're also a writer. In fact, you've done a decent amount of writing for Culture Snack so far. Let's Listeners, plug, plug, plug. check it you guys are enjoying check it out check it out premium content it's absolutely fantastic um but i know that you're a writer as well and i feel like writing is a big part of being a sportscaster being able to tell stories so from a sportscasting standpoint how do you find a story or make a story out of something or what is your general approach to storytelling when it comes to sports so I think it, it starts and ends with one word there, and that's uh, human. So you get the human aspect of it. I like to broadcast as though a lot of my audience doesn't give a shit about mm. sports. But everybody, you know, there's so many people out there that don't give a shit about sports. But everybody gives a shit about people, you know, and are interested in what other people do. So if I tell you that ex-basketball player is shooting 92% from the foul line for the year, a sports fan would be like, wow, that's amazing. 
a non-sports fan would be like, cool, so what? But if I tell you that that same basketball player, you know, has a mother who worked two jobs to make sure that this child could go to private school to play in an environment where he or she could be recruited to a good school to then get a higher education, you're probably going to care. Yeah. You know, you're going to care about that person's story. And what it does is it makes you realize that, you know, basketball or sport really is just a vehicle for getting people to where they want to go. And what the most important thing is, is the people who are helping them get there. Definitely. Yeah. No, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, sports casting and then actual writing is a little different. Um, what kinds of things are you writing the most and how do you approach story differently when you write? I would say I allow for more detail when I write. I allow for more, for lack of a better phrase, fancy words. You know, I really enjoy taking the time to craft every sentence and to focus on every word to make the writing really sing. And with broadcasting, especially play-by-play broadcasting, you only get one take. And that's a really, really awesome, thrilling thing. You know, that's a rush that is hard to find elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that sometimes you mess up and sometimes you don't have the word that you want to have. And you think back later that day and you're like, damn, I should have said this instead of what I actually said. And so what writing allows me to do is to go back and edit it and to make sure that it is perfect and is exactly what I want to say. So I enjoy that aspect of it. You're going to get a more like expanded take your time kind of version of my communication as opposed to if I was doing a basketball game. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that writing has helped your sports casting and then sports casting has helped your writing? Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I really like about Syracuse is at the the curriculum is really, really like foundational and then up. So what that means is everybody in the broadcast and digital journalism major there will start by taking a writing course, just writing, no audio, no recording, no camera, no nothing. You'd literally just learn how to write news stories as though they're going online. And so people can watch them. That's one class for a semester. And then gradually you add radio. And then after radio, you add television, because this is how it all started in terms of communication before radio was the printing press before television was the radio. And so What CUSE does a really good job of is um, harnessing that evolution and making sure that its students know every aspect of it. And so because of that, I have a really, really solid background in terms of overall communication, and I can recalibrate it depending on the medium and also the context in general. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, So, you know, part of what we're trying to do here with working on it is to just collect as many tips and tricks as we possibly can. And I feel like you have already just made it rain on us with just oh, tips and tricks. That. I feel like there's so many actionable. I think it's my reverse pimping background I, that allows me to let it rain. I feel like it is, man. I feel like it is. Yeah. You're, you're, but in any case, like you are making it rain on us with all this incredible information. But, you know, if to dig deeper, what we usually do is we ask people about their struggles because usually once you identify mm-hmm. a struggle, there's some sort of adaptation or some sort of uh, tip or trick that people develop to sort of address that. So with that yeah. in mind, or maybe with that not even in mind, what is your biggest struggle as a sportscaster and as a writer? I would say my biggest struggle is what we talked about earlier. It's finding those people that hire at the highest levels of this industry. You know, those emails aren't just going to be on somebody's LinkedIn. You have to know who to go through and who to go to. And I think, you know, as much as it might sound like I totally know exactly what I'm talking about with regards to networking, I'm still learning a lot. And I'll learn until, you know, the day I die, how to do any of this stuff. So I think my biggest struggle is uh, figuring out who specifically I should talk to because you can spend a lot of time networking with great people and you shouldn't go into networking thinking I am going to use this person for something. You know, there's that old saying, you can tell a lot about a person based on how they treat someone who can't help them at all. And so you can't just go into this networking stuff thinking I'm going to use this person and then throw them aside like an old paper towel or something. 
but at the same time, you got to be efficient with this networking and you got to know who you're reaching out to and make sure that you're spending good time talking to people who can help you elevate your career. And I think that my biggest struggle is finding those people and doing so on my own and making sure that everybody's someone is might be watching. So I'm making sure that every time I go in front of a camera or step in front of a microphone that I'm at my best because let's say somebody from ESPN is finally, you know, just for five seconds is like watching this game, this pen baseball game that I'm doing. That person's never heard me before and they might never hear me again. So I might be really tired because it's the seventh inning of the second game of a doubleheader. I've been sitting there for six hours and I just want to go home. I might be tired. I might be cranky. But if that is the one time that that person who can hire me at ESPN is listening and they hear someone who's disengaged, who's uninterested, who just doesn't sound like they want to be there, that's it, you know? That's it. Yeah. That person's going to write me off right away and they have no need to go back to my stuff. So I think it's just a case of number one, finding the people that I know can help me. And number two, making sure that every time I do this, I'm doing it at my best because you never know who's watching and you never know who's listening or when they're doing so. And it's not always going to be when you're at your best. So in a sort of a related thing, but kind of getting back to the initial thing about, um, you know, who to speak to and all that coming from a marketing and sales background, I've done an absurd amount of prospecting an absurd amount of mm-hmm. like Facebook and Instagram stalking and a lot of scraping. LinkedIn scraping. Uh, what tools do you find are the most useful for that? Or is there some sort of a strategy or something to look out for that will qualify someone as a lead? Like how, how do you sort out, the people and, and sort of find them. Yeah, I think uh, it's like with especially anything in media, it's about job title. You know, you got to find someone's role isn't going to be, you know, you, you'll have like director of talent or, you know, something like yeah. that. So like talent and hiring, you want those buzzwords because, you know, talent is on air people and hiring is obviously <laughs> what I want to be. But <laughs> I think yeah. it's a case of, yeah, I heard. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's a case of making sure that you're not barking up the wrong tree or just heading down a dead end. And you have to know the terminology, you know, who does what, VP of, you know, talent. That's a person that you definitely want to know. But there's also people under the VP of talent who are easier to reach, who can get in the VP of talent's ear. Mm. And so it's, it's a case of knowing not only who's at the top of where you want to be within the company – but also who's right below those people and who are a little bit easier to connect with. Absolutely. But as, as we know, like we study all these terms and make sure like that way you kind of know like the whole network within a company, who does what and who is dedicated to doing what. And it's really, really, you know, important to know those people and to be able to put tangible like titles to them because otherwise you're kind of wandering aimlessly. Yeah. Not to stray away from the the topic, because um, I think this is a really good to know, um, especially no matter what industry you are, learning how to network, finding those right people, very valuable. But you had mentioned something earlier about those days when, or those times when just maybe you're just really tired, you've been doing this, you know, for a long, or, you know, like you were said, the seventh inning is a long game or just, you know, it's not your best day. How do you, when you're facing that kind of feeling or time and maybe you're not into it, how do you motivate yourself to kind of push yourself through that feeling and like, say, you know what, I'm just going to do my best right now. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it just, like literally reminding myself, hey, someone might be listening right now. Or actually, you know, there's I have a better answer for that. My answer is this. So if I'm doing <clears throat> a college baseball game, uh, just to go back to that specific example, there's not going to be many viewers. There's not going to be many listeners. But everybody who's viewing and listening cares because they're either a parent, a relative, or a family friend. And so if they can hear that I don't give a shit, they're going to be pretty mad. So it might be 24 people listening or watching this game. But if all 24 people really, really, really care 
and they want me to care as much, then I have to. I have to remind myself that every single person in that audience matters, especially with something that's more intimate, like a high school or a college game, because those people are relatives. And, you know, you have to prove that you've done your research and you're willing to talk about it. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is kind of a sort of a, a left field curveball-y question, but I think it's on point at the same time too. Okay. So you'll have to, you'll have to judge for yourself. Okay. So in our last interview, we spoke with Will and one of the things that we talked about, um, and as you know, Will is a musician, he's Charlie Coyne. Yep. And we talked about how different people that we've both known over the years have blown up based on a song that just for whatever reason had a lot of traction in popular culture and it took off. Uh, and usually cause it co-opted some aspect of whatever was happening in popular culture mm-hmm. and kind of rode that to the top. And I feel like to a certain degree, there are opportunities to do that as a sportscaster. Um, so for example, have you ever seen, I feel like as a sportscaster, you might've seen the show Brockmire. Oh, I really, really like that show. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I feel like his thing is like, he's just an insane drunk person who just says crazy shit. Yeah. My spirit um, animal. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. I love that guy. Um, but you know, there's other sports casters that have little things that they do um, that are, are sort of, you know, indicative of their performance or like, you know, their trademarks or are kind of like things that they use to sort of get going on social media and all that stuff. Is there anything like, have you ever considered anything like that? Is there anything that you think is a Varun trademark? Uh, Yeah. I um, see the parallels between freestyle rapping and play-by-play broadcasting, and I can do both quite well. Ah, okay. Yeah. So basically, you ever rap while you're like, no, you would, you, you wouldn't be rapping while you're not like, rap. Because, right? sometimes, sometimes you know, you rhyme a little bit, or there's just like a, you can get into a groove where you have this flow to your voice where it sounds melodic. There's no beat underneath it, but you still sound like you're kind of grooving over something. And when you really get into the rhythm of a nice call, basketball is probably the best example. Hockey as well, some flowy sport like that where you can really get into the groove of each possession. You know, mm-hmm. you definitely sound like you are rapping. And I think that at the end of the day, it's all words. And freestyling and play-by-play broadcasting are similar because there's no script. You just go. With play-by-play broadcasting, there's something to describe. With freestyling, you kind of just go off on your own tangents. But at the same time, there's a lot of similarities there. So I think my thing with regards to broadcasting is appreciating what flow means and why it matters and how mixing it up can help you not sound monotonous and at the same time how using different words is important but you can't use fancy words without knowing how they work or how they're supposed to sound really good and so i think that vocabulary and rapping are two things that i like to hang my hat on with regards to broadcasting using fancy words and doing so in a really smooth way you know what's so funny is that all of that encompasses the stuff you've been writing for culture snack like yeah. dissecting the flows of just great MCs and great verses um, from the past few years, but you do it in such an analytical and like almost poetic way. Also, sometimes, yeah, I feel like it is just like, uh, you know what, listeners, go to culture snack dot com and go read <laughs> these articles. Okay, <laughs> go find Varun's work. It's fantastic. I actually wanted to, uh, I guess, dive into that because. I feel like you're such a fast writer. Whenever you're writing blogs, (laughs) blog posts, you're just so quick with it. And I think that writing is such an intensive task. You know, it takes me so long, I guess, to find the right words that I want to say and then to give it to someone else. And then they have to get back to me with edits and it can be overwhelming. Right. Also, you know, I'm not a writer, <laughs> you know, I don't do this very often. So what are some tips you would can give to someone who wants to be a better writer and even a faster writer, you know, we're just like intuitive. Um, yeah. I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's just, it's, it's again, it goes back to just doing it over and over again. So anytime mm. you have like something that you like, I let's say you like a book or a movie, write a review about it. You know, just start typing stuff out. 
And the first paragraph might be some like stream of conscious bullshit that nobody can understand. But by the time you get a couple sentences in, you're going to be able to articulate your ideas in a way that you know is going to speak to somebody. And so the more that you write, the more you're going to know, hey, I can do this. And the more that you not only write, but speak out your writing, talk it out like it's a script. Mm. And that way it's going to sound good or it's going to sound awkward. And of course, what comes with that is reading, read other writers, constantly, constantly read books, old books, new books, articles, things like that. And you'll see people use different turns of phrases. You'll see people use different words. And my favorite thing to do is to read articles and to see a word I don't know what it means and just look it up. And then I'll be like, oh, maybe I can use that word too. So I think it's just a case of immersing yourself in words in every way possible. Listen to podcasts as well, especially this one, and then just make sure that you are incorporating especially this one. People do, yes, especially the word, and especially this one, and especially this one, so that you can know how terrible it sounds when you say um and uh and like a lot. Honestly, I haven't heard nary and umr alike from you guys. uh, Hey, Gemma, Gemma. Let's, uh, right let's just unleash it real quick. You ready? Let's just like hit him with a few <laughs> Get it out of your system. I'm um, like, uh, uh, Varun, like, uh like, you're like, like the best uh, guest so. ever. Uh, uh, I don't Thanks know. so much uh, for being here. Uh, God, love. Feels good though. Does feel good. Yeah, it does. I mean, this is also our third episode. And again, Jack and I talk after every episode to give each other feedback and talk yeah. about it a lot. And also, we are listening to ourselves, so it's a very painful process. Yeah, yeah. it's like well, operant conditioning; like you I'll, get punished. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what: we'll regroup at, at like say the uh, beginning of September, and we'll listen to a podcast from like the end of August. And you guys are going to hear a significant difference. Your voices are going to be deeper. You're going to speak slower. You're going to be more flowy with how you ask questions and do it. You're just going to get better at it without even like just subconsciously. Somehow our minds and our bodies know how to improve us, whatever we do over and over again. Yeah, I feel like I already sound like a man <laughs> when I talk. In a good way or like? I, I feel like my voice is pretty deep. <laughs> not pretty deep, actually, but it's kind of lower. So I don't know. No, my voice not a bad sounds not deeper. <laughs> No, that's that's. Um, that's funny that you mentioned it, but I did, well, I guess because you were talking about writing earlier and, you know, looking at other writers and listening to podcasts, who are you listening to right now or reading that has been influencing you right now? Well, I mean, uh, the book that I'm reading right now is a book that Jack gave to me. It's a biography of Ben Franklin and yeah. Jack knew exactly. So like we were over at Jack's and he's like, I want to give each of you a book He's like, tell me what you like. And I said, you know, history, documentary, sports, fact, things like that. And you pulled out the perfect book, that biography of Benjamin Franklin. It's so good. I'm just reading about that now. And it, it, I mean, it is it is just fascinating. And it's done in a way, what it does really well to go back to one thing I mentioned is it humanizes him. Like you feel like you can reach out and touch Benjamin Franklin, shake his oh, hand, yeah. have a beer with him. And he's the founding father that you could do that more than, say, a George Washington or a Thomas Jefferson. Oh, but the yeah. way that this guy writes is so engaging and so just like working class almost that it's such an easy read. And I love he's, it. He's reverse pimping you through time. Man. He's the original. He's the OG reverse pimping. We might call this ep- – the, the title of this episode might be reverse pimping with Yes. Yeah. Right. That will get people to click on it. That will definitely get people to click on Probably. it. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, awesome. That's that's great. Cool. Well, I, Varun, I think we learned so much from you today. It was so awesome. Yes. Having you here, um, talking to us about sports casting, writing. Reverse pimping. Reverse pimping. Why do I keep forgetting about that? Um, but Varun, where can we find you on social media? So Instagram, Varun Rags, 23, uh, Twitter, Varun Rags, and then LinkedIn is my name as well. My YouTube page, just my name, Varun Raghupathy. And uh, yeah, that's where all of my stuff is with regards to broadcasting. And most of my writing is here on Culture Snack. Every week we'll be analyzing some great bars uh, from the hip hop world. I know we've had two published already. Jack, I thank you for that. And Hell yeah. yeah, keep going with that. And uh, appreciate you guys having me on. This was 
a lot of fun. And I look forward to the day when we can converse in person and maybe shake hands before and after. (laughs) Without having to just immediately go for the hand sanitizer. Yeah, I live in a code of Corel these days. Yeah, yes, exactly. Probably for the best. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, listeners, if you want to follow up with Karoon, go follow him on that social media. Uh, But if you want to um, follow working on it, you can find us at WOI underscore podcast. And please um, let us know your thoughts. You know, is there anything that you are really interested in learning about? You know, is there anything that's been popping out to you? We'd love to know. Um, Give us a rate and a review where you can find podcasts where on iTunes or well, Apple podcasts and Google podcasts right now and also Stitcher. Uh, so, you know, uh, give Spotify us- soon, Spotify soon, yes. Spotify soon. Spotify soon. Um, and hey, Jill, where can we find you on social media? I almost forgot about that too. <laughs> you can find me at J E M M A dot D I L A G and Jack, where can we find you? <laughs> yes, you can find Jack Chacon at golden underscore baby underscore Jack on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and as always, shout out to Culture Snack, the podcasting network. If you want to follow Culture Snack, you can follow them at Culture Snack Media on Instagram and at Cult Snack Media on Twitter. Ran out of letters. I say it every single time, but just so y'all know, I'm not a straight up fool. And then that's it. So, Wait, Jack, I just I know we're wrapping up. Why couldn't you just do culture snack med? Gemma, don't try to make all kinds of sense in the podcast. You're, 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 you're not a doctor. You can't do your med. You should gotta be a doctor to use med. I think that's the rule. Okay, good point. Yeah, good point. Sorry, yeah. You're causing me way too much handle anxiety right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, okay. I guess that wraps us up. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. Thanks you again, Yeah, thanks, Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let's 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 broadcast from reverse pimping someday soon. Yes. 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 All, All right. right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. And uh, see you later. Bye. Bye.